Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all of you today. Man, the temperature's finally giving us a little break. It's really nice. We're almost back. Well, we are back in school. We got football right around the corner. Where are you? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. That's what, that's what I like to hear because we, uh, we are a football church. And um, just want to let you know if you're visiting, that's what we're all about. Uh, next, uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be launching our small groups and our 3L small groups. You know, I sit in the back porch because I am getting older now. And it's like replacing sports in my life is sitting on the back porch. And I watch the birds, the cardinals will come to my backyard and they come like in, in groups of eight. Uh, the buntings will come and they'll, they'll uh, gather and, and then we'll watch some deer walk across the, you know, the back field and, and they'll be usually in a group of three to six going by. And just the other day, I almost ran over some turkeys. Cross. You're wondering, where the heck do you live? I, I live in the country in Hollywood, or we like to call it the Hollywood. Um, and, but one of the things that I've noticed is that life seems to happen in groups. Um, all flourishing and, and growing life seems to happen in this society of life. And, and our 3L small groups are designed to, um, to help that happen in your life, that you journey with other people, that you grow and you flourish in your life in relationship with other people. So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a, our kickoff and we'll have food trucks here and everything. It's going to be a great time. There'll be booths around that you can take a look at each of the small groups. Let me just give you a little incentive. Maybe you're kind of introverted and you're like, eh, I'm not too sure I want to do this whole group thing, but I'll give it a look. If you look at five of the tables, if you go to the five of the tables and you get your little card checked off, you get to go to our food trucks for free. So, I mean, do the math, you know, work out, bring out your iPhone, begin to figure out how much that could save you just to go up and talk to somebody about one of our small groups. So just kind of prepare your heart now for that and begin to think about being involved in one of our groups and the growth that can happen with it. Well, we're jumping into a new series, and we're going to do this new series a little bit differently. And because um, I have, uh, I'm having problems with my throat and you know, I'm on a journey of, you know, seeing what's wrong with my throat and investigating my throat and all this other stuff. And part of that investigation may take me out of speaking for six to 12 weeks. Um, so, you know, at first you think about that and you say, well, you know, what's going on with you, Pastor Paul? What's going to happen across town? Well, I just told you that small groups is where life happens. And what we're finding out, just like we found out three years ago, that this building doesn't define anything about what Jesus is and what church really is. We're also on the journey of finding out that, you know, a, a lead teaching pastor cannot be the measure of a good church, that a good church is determined by the quality and the culture of its people and its passion for God and its passion for one another and for people outside of the church. Um, and we're going to get an opportunity to take that journey together. So he's like, well, what about you? What about you? I was like, well, it's never really been about me. And so I really see this as an opportunity to expand our ability as a church, like we have with the flood issue, an opportunity to experience and expand our ministry base. So over the next couple of weeks, the team's going to be working together um, to, uh, to talk about what God's doing in our lives. So I just wanted to let you know that I'm not disappearing anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not dying or it's not like I've fallen away from the Lord or I don't want to work anymore and I want to retire. That, none of that stuff is true. I, you know, I'm as, as potent with God now as I've ever been and want to be working more. God's just changing our way of working so that we work smarter uh, and not just more. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about this issue of growing closer to God. Um, because we're in the season of the year 
when we try to position ourselves and our families for success. I mean, you're spending a lot of money on new clothes outfits, so the kids are getting all the new outfits. You're investing in books. I mean, those are astronomical. I can't believe what college books cost. Then there's the student loan thing. Then there's the time of spending in the car, taking your kids to school, enter from the east, exit from the west. Then you turn around and you, go, you do the whole thing all over again. Then you're doing sports and you're, you're involved with that. And even if you're no longer in school, there's that general reposition of the movement of our society in America is that, I mean, just going down Glen McConnell, if you drive down Glen McConnell between June and August, it's pretty cool. You know, you can go to Lowe's in the middle of the day and, you know, it's not a problem. As soon as school starts, I mean, it is like the highway to hell. I mean, I am, I am serious. It is like ridiculous how many cars or on this road. So we all feel it, but there's also things that begin to transition and things that begin to happen in our lives. And I think we feel it as a society that this is a repositioning. And, and, and all of us want things in our lives to line up to bring us the promise of success. Um, whether it's preparing for sports, a lot of your kids may be getting ready for soccer or for football this coming season, or maybe it's getting ready for career and your, your young one is in college right now and is going through all that process, or, or maybe you're now investing in a long-term relationship with somebody. Um, you hope that it all culminates in success. I think we all want all the effort that we're doing, everything that we're working on to turn into some form of success. We hope the kids are getting smarter. Um, we hope they get good jobs after they get out of college. We hope we run faster. We're not doing all that training and running and weight loss and all that stuff. You know, maybe you're targeting the Kiowa half marathon at the end of the year, so you're repositioning yourself in order to be able to do something like that. Um, maybe all your, your work and relationships and your marriage um, are, you know, you're hoping that it's bringing people closer together. You're growing as a family or as a couple or as an individual. And then you have this big hope, and it's, it's kind of like almost an unbelievable hope. It's almost like mythical that God will bless it. You know, I mean, is this, there's some sort of magic in the universe that, you know, after you've done everything, you just kind of hope God will bless it and that God wants to work in your life. One of the things I've learned is that it is reasonable that when we want to be successful in certain things, we align ourselves with people in those areas to become successful. We network with other people that want to be successful that have been successful, and we want to succeed in the realm that they're, they're in. So if you're like a new real estate agent, you want to hang around with a broker or a real estate firm that, that's really good at real estate and can teach you and mentor you and give you the ability to get really good at what they're good at. You know, if you're, if you're a runner or if you're in sports, you, you want to be around people that can take you to the next level of, of success and and that you can accomplish more. And so it's natural for us to want to be around people that are successful. But the thing is, I never thought that really had anything to do with God. I really thought that God, you know, wanted me to be saved. He wanted me to go to heaven. He wanted me to be good. Uh, he wanted me to be holy. And we have a hard time defining what that is. But I never really thought that God was something or a, a, an individual or a person that I could network with that I could link up with, that I could connect with, that was really interested in my personal success, that, that wanted me to experience life and experience it to the fullest. So as a young man, I 
I remember looking for, you know, I had this desire to, to know God, and, and I want to be successful just like you, and I, I want to experience good things and the best of things, whether it's relational, financial, whatever area of our lives. And, and I remember looking at how to link up with God. How do I, how do I connect with him on this subject? And, and is he interested in connecting with me on the subject of my career or my running or, or the way that I date or the way that I have my family? Is he interested in that? And so I began to look for scriptures that would speak to me about, you know, lining up with, with uh, God for success. And one of the ones that I found as a young Christian was the incredibly empowering promises that I found in Psalm 1. We're going to take a look at it, but Psalm 1 talks about success. It talks about God being involved in my life and me being involved in God's life. It talked about things about being fruitful and also talked about being prosperous, which is really a cool idea. But since I was a runner most of my life, um, one of the things that I knew is that if you wanted something really good, you knew that it was going to challenge you on something. You find a great painter, a great musician, a great philosopher, a great athlete, uh, somebody really good in economics or any, a great lawyer, whatever it may be, great doctor, they would all tell you in order in their path of greatness, even before they started their path, they knew that it would challenge something about who they were. I don't think anybody that's really achieved or accomplished anything ever thought that they were going to remain the same as they are and still accomplish something great. Those of us who thought that, we found that failure was ensuing rather quickly. But what I've always called this part about my life that I knew that God was going to challenge was my lean. Every one of us have a bend. We're kind of like trees. We have a bend or a bent towards something, a lean towards something. You know, when somebody cuts you off in traffic, how do you respond? Well, that's your, your bend. Oh, I'm telling you what, it ha I, I messed up. I guess I can confess this to you guys. Because we were up driving to Virginia last week, and on my way back, uh, I was, you know, I, I pride myself on my car and, I, and my driving skills. And, and I, you know, I was really close to the guy in front of me. But, you know, when you're going, 95, when you're going 75 miles an hour, you, you, you know, you get really tight to the guy in front of you, and you kind of draft each other. And you don't want that dude who thinks he's going to pass on the right to cut in, you know. So, so I was real tight. Well, sure enough, this guy from New Jersey... That didn't help any either. This guy from New Jersey actually squeezed in. I know. I mean, how did I let that happen? But he squeezed in. He looked like he was all of like 22, and he had like 22 buddies in the car that were 22 as well. And, and so they were all laughing. So there's, that's 44 people in this car. No, and so, there's, so they were all laughing that they cut in on me. And it, <laughs> I came unglued. I mean, so much so my wife is like, Paul, you have got to stop. I mean... If he had a trailer hitch, I would have been hooked to it because I was that close. I mean, we're zinging at about 50, uh, no, not 50. I was going to lie to you. So we were like pushing a really high number, and I am on his butt, and we're exchanging gestures to each other, you know, of love and mercy and kindness <laughs> to each other. And Susan is like, you have got to stop. And I was like, oh, back off. And off, off he drives, the victor. And uh, you said, well, what it was that? What happened to you? Was that the devil? No, it was my bend. And we all have a bend. We're all leaning in a direction. Some of us lean towards anxiety. 
Some of us lean towards fear. Some of us lean towards anger. Some of us lean towards greed or selfishness. Um, we all have a lean, and I knew that if I was going to get involved with God, he was not only going to unpack success and prosperity in my life, I knew that he wanted that, but I knew he was going to challenge my lean. You know, that I was not going to be able to remain the same and experience this kind of networking success with God. And you wouldn't expect that if you joined an athletic group or like CrossFit or if you connected yourself with somebody in a profession. You knew that there was something about you that was going to have to change. So today we use a phrase that kind of borrows the idea of lean. And we talk about leaning into it. I mean, we'll actually use that phrase that we'll have a situation and then you'll decide whether or not you're going to lean into it. And what it means is it's the act of embracing something or a situation by using it to empower yourself, that you lean into something to make it your own. You know, you, you decide that I'm going to put myself into this. And sometimes that thing can be something that you didn't like about yourself or other people don't like about you. One of the things I was thinking about was, it's like um, one of my daughters has red hair. And, you know, as a little kid, if you're a little girl, you have red hair, people can make fun of you for having red hair. Um, and so as a young girl, you try to dye it, you try to color it, you try to do whatever you can, you try to cut it to get rid of red hair. But then, you know, there's a point in your life where you say, well, you know what, I'm redheaded. I'm going to lean into it. And so the next thing you know, she's got long, curly, red, beautiful hair, and she defines herself as a redhead. You know, so it's, it's deciding that, okay, this is the situation that I'm in, and now I'm going to decide to lean into it. I'm going to bend in that direction. I'm going to put my life around it, and I'm going to get into it more than I had in the past. So it's, it's, it's a phrase that talks about personal posture of action and immersion, immersing yourself into, into it. So I want you to listen to Psalm 1, because it talks about leans. It talks about what you're leaning into. David said it this way. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners. This is, these are all postures and leanings. Or sit in the seat of scoffers. These are all things we are in or immerse ourselves into. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates a lean day and night, and he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Now, first of all, I like hearing at the end of it that whatever he does will prosper. That's kind of like, you know, you, you, we read through the part of it, maybe some of it pinged on you, but now we got to the last part where it's like, wow, so you're telling me whatever I do will prosper, and that how I lean or what I'm leaning into really has an effect on the success of the prosperity of my life. But it seems that prosperity doesn't come from being prosperity-minded. It seems to be from this leaning into God. David is like all of us, and he's pursued other kinds of leans. He, he probably drove his car too fast and probably wanted, didn't want people to cut him off. He had that same propensity that each and every one of us. He had a bend to him, and he starts to talk about his bend. He knows what it's like to lean into the counsel of the wrong people. He knows what it's like to, 
to go that direction. And he's seen the effects of doing that. He knows what it's like to lean into the way of living in the opposition and the wisdom of God, or the way of the sinner, as he calls it. He knows what it's like to lean into that, to immerse himself into that. He knows what it's like to allow pride and disappointment to begin to create within his soul a doubt and a skepticism about everything and everything about life and everything about God. He's leaned into that before. He's very much like all of us. He's experienced the consequences of a bad lean, of a bend in a wrong direction away from God. But then he learned how to lean into God. And he began to evaluate his posture of his life and to choose to lean into God. Listen to what he said. Blessed is the person, and I kind of put person there because this isn't a gender-specific verse. Blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. This was the key to the experience of whatever he did would prosper. It had something to do with what he was leaning into. But he's not leaning into prosperity. He's leaning into God. So I kind of rewrote this with an American mindset because we're very prosperity and success-oriented. And this may sound like some book that you got at Barnes & Noble, but it, there is a difference to it that, that separates it. Let me put it this way for our American minds. It is not developing a posture to win or succeed, but rather developing a posture of closeness, which in turn brings the win and the success. See, in America, we'll read a plethora of books about how to succeed, how to lead, and how to win. And we want to be around winners. We want to be around success and, and prosperity and people about it. You know, that we can be the rich and famous. We want to be a part of that, what was that, champagne taste and caviar, whatever it was. That guy just thought Robin Leach just went, went someplace, uh, it died. And so, uh, you know, we want to be around that. We want to be a part of all that in our lives. But we're just a little bit off. And God's not opposed to our success. He's not opposed to the win. He's not opposed to our prosperity. But, he, but it's leaning into it that he has a problem with. And it's not really how it happens, the way that God wants it to happen in our lives. The lean is really into closeness with him. And then the result is the win. And it's the success that comes with it. Jesus said it better than I could ever say it. In John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me... And I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. It's like God's telling us he's leaning into us and that when we lean back into him, that there's a bearing of fruit that takes place. He didn't just say when you become a Christian, you bear much fruit. He doesn't say anywhere that if you go to church, you will bear much fruit. It doesn't say if you have a really good preacher at your church, you will bear much fruit. It doesn't say that, hey, if you look at fruit a lot, you will bear much fruit. It says, no, if you abide in me and I in you, as a result of that closeness, there will be a prosperity that will begin to develop and branch out of your life. So this is why we didn't call this series, Find Your Success, or boosh, photograph, How to Be a Winner, and then show you pictures of people who are winners. Because it's not about the pursuit of the win or the success, which is a very American predilection. We always do that. We always talk about the win. We always talk about being the best. We always talk about prosperity. And, and the thing is, is, God's not against those things. 
But he is concerned about if we're leaning into those things, if that's what we're leaning into. And he says, no, lean into me, and through the closeness of relationship with me, you will prosper in whatever you do. So I think the first thing that we got to be honest about with ourselves and with God is to ask ourselves, what are you leaning into? What's your bend? What are you, what are you immersed into? What are you into? Um, maybe ask it this way. What is your posture? What do you spend most of your walking, standing, and sitting in? I mean, that's what David used metaphorically, is the way that we walk, stand, and sit. But he understood that those were the reclining of the soul in a direction or an inclination. He put it another way as he continued to do that. And he, he said, you could ask yourself this way, what do you delight in? Because let's be honest, our knees, our butts, and our backs don't determine our posture. It's the will of our hearts that define what we recline in. The delight of our heart, the thing that motivates you. So let me ask you, not so much what is your posture, but what do you delight in? What do you get jacked about? What is it, what is it that turns you on? What is it that you spend most of your posture doing or, or are involved in? Or you could ask it this way. What does your soul pursue the most? What do you, what do you have to... And if you don't know the answer to that question, I, but I think you do. I think you're hearing it now because the Holy Spirit is faithful, but also we know ourselves pretty well. You could ask your spouse and ask them, listen, what do you think I lean into? I remember driving um, around in, uh, years ago and I, I saw this black Tahoe uh, in front of me and, and on the back of it with a limited amount of letters, so the woman had successfully spelled the phrase bass widow and it was, it's kind of you know that she was a bass widow so immediately what I could f ascertain from that was that she was married to a man who whose bend who's lean whose posture the delight of his soul the pursuit of his soul seems to be catching fish now you know of course you know that's kind of funny and that's fun and we all have hobbies and things that we enjoy but when those things begin to define what we are, when we begin to ask our children, hey, what do you think dad's into? If you were to tell, if somebody was to meet me, but I'm not in the room, tell them what I'm into. What would the answer be? What is, what is pops pursuing? What is mom pursuing? What, what is it that you, is the pursuit of your heart? And, and I think we got to really figure out what do we lean into? Because some of us are, leaning, are not leaning into God. We're leaning into other things. And we're, some of us are leaning into bad things. Some of you are always thinking the worst things in the world are going to happen. I'm going to die. Going to get murdered. We're going to go broke. Going to get sick. You know, it's like, why do we lean into stuff like that all the time? You know, America's going to hell in a handbasket. Jesus needs to come back. All that stuff. Man, some of us are just leaning into some bad stuff. You know, some of us are leaning into distractions. Some of us are leaning into things that um, bring us into addiction to them. There's a lot of things that God wants to challenge us about our lean. And then we get to decide that we're going to lean into God. Remember what David said. He said, blessed is the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, when David talks about leaning into God's revelation, uh, leaning into God's word or his law, 
He's talking about leaning into God's revelation of himself and the intention for our lives. Now, he called it the law. And if you're like me, and you're telling me this is the pathway to prosperous living, I'm beginning to take a couple steps back. So you're telling me that the way that I prosper is I got to dig into some old dusty scrolls, roll them back, learn the original Hebrew, and begin to study the five books of Moses. And if I do that and I think of nothing else all day long, meditate on it day and night, this is what it's going to take for me to prosper. I don't think that's what David is communicating. Because remember, at David's time of writing this, or the author of writing this, that was pretty much what was available about the revelation of God. And that's what he immersed himself into. But today, as we stand, it means this. It means so much more than law, and it means so much more than a collection of do's and don'ts. I would say it this way. It is the complete architectural revelation of God through his complete word, through the example of his son Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. That's what God's calling us leaning into. He's not calling us into being scholars of scripture. He wants us to lean into his word as we now have it in its fullness. He wants us to lean into the life of Christ as Christ lives in us and we live in Christ and we follow the example of Christ. He wants us to lean into asking him for help through the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal his will to us and to give us strength. And if we're willing to do this, we bring forth fruit in our season. Every one of us. There's not one of us that are exempt from the promise of God. Our leaves will not wither regardless of what's going on in America or regardless of what's going on in the world around us or regardless of what's going on in our bodies or in our lives. We will not wither as a result of the networking of God in our lives. And then whatever we do will prosper. Man, when I saw this as a young man, I'm like, if I get any part of the Bible right, because there's a lot of it, but if I got one part that I got to get right, I got to get Psalm 1 right. Because it deals with my bend, and it also encourages me to lean into God. So for the next six weeks, we're going to help you develop a good posture. Or we're going to help you lean into God. And here's what I know about most of you, because you're like me. You're busy. So when you hear about leaning into God, and when you think about Scripture or small group, or you think about you know, spending time with God in prayer, you know, you're like, okay, where am I going to get the time for something like this? Um, you, I also, that you don't feel qualified. A lot of you here are like, you know, I try to read the Bible, and I try to read it once, and it was like reading Lord of the Rings, and it was like, you know, just too much. I just really didn't get anything out of it, and I just don't feel qualified. Here's the other thing, that most of you here are not good readers, I know that may sound like a weird thing to point out, but I'm not a good reader. In the sixth grade, I had to go to tutorship. I, was, I had a first grade reading level at the eight, in, in the sixth grade. I have a reading problem. My re if, I, I took a, like an IQ test since like five or six years ago, and uh, the, the test was ridiculous on math and reading. And I really did good on abstract thinking. I was, kind, you know, so that dope smoking thing paid off. But I'm really good at abstract thinking, but my reading skills levels just really lost. So here's my thought. 
You mean to tell me that God set up a kingdom that only good readers prosper? You know, so, so if you're good at reading, <laughs> the kingdom of God is yours, but all you ADD folks who can't read, which I just labeled half the men in this room, uh, sorry, you're not going to succeed because you're not able to do it. I will tell you, 80% of the times that I counsel a couple about an issue in their relationship, and then I all of a sudden say to them, hey, listen, there's this really good book called Love and Respect. Um, you really need to read this book. The woman would be like, I already have my copy in her purse. You know, she's got her copy. And I said, what would you do with that copy? I gave it to my husband, and he didn't want to read it. I'm like, no, duh. Why would you set the dude up to fail? He's not going to read the book. I'm not going to read the book. That's why when you come to me and I recommend a book, I make sure I've got it in book version. I've got it in iPod version or, or whatever they call podcast version. And I've got it in video version. Because if I'm going to tell you that you're going to open up these old scrolls and you've got to study them and then you get the success of God, I can't believe God set up a kingdom only for highly intellectual good readers. Uh, I remember when my girls were into Harry Potter, and i got to be honest with you, and please don't get angry with me, ladies, but this series is really going to be built around men. And you say, why? It's because you ladies just, you got, you're, you're, I'm not saying guys aren't smart, but, but, you know, like my girls were reading Harry Potter before the movies came out. And they were like, Dad, you got, and they would sit in the couch together and they'd be flipping through these big novels, the third, you know, The Hobbit and all this other stuff, and they're flipping through it. And I'm like, you know, until it's in 4K on my TV, I'm not interested in reading the thing. Now, that's not all guys, but it's, it's a lot of us. And, and so what God's really laid on my heart is it's like, how do you lean into God if you have these fundamental problems? Here's the other thing. is that I know that at times, every one of you resist seeking God. I don't care how big a smile you got on your face today. I know inside of you, there is a little bit of hellion and rebellion. I know that in every single one of us, we wake up and, you know, we have just entered fantasy football time, okay? Let me just tell you how bad this is. I will get notifications in the middle of the night from ESPN about who's got a sprained knee or who didn't pass a drug test, and, and in the middle of the night, I'll roll over, and I'll look at my phone, and I'll grab it. Oh, man, I got to drop I got to drop uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he's suspended again. All right, I got to pick. So, so here I am at 3 o'clock in the morning picking up a new running back for my fantasy team. But then when it comes to, hey, when God speaks to you in the middle of the night, what do you do then? I do what every good person does. Shut up. I'll be waking up in a few moments. Give me a break. Let me sleep. It's like every one of us, there's times when we just don't want to pursue after God. So, we're not going to try to turn you into biblical scholars. And I know that some of you have ended up at Crosstown because churches will make a standard of what it is to be a good Christian. And then if you don't read at that level, if you don't do book studies at that level, if you don't group at that level, if you don't fast at that level, and if you don't pray at that level, and if you don't give at that level, you must not really be a real Christian. Well, welcome to the dummy down church. <laughs> And you say, well, what, is, what do you mean dumbing it down? It's like, listen, if Christianity can't work on the personal level, then you're probably doing the wrong Christian, uh, Christianity. If it can't happen 
in South America, if it can't happen in Africa, if it can't happen in the middle of Asia, if it can't happen in India, if it can't happen for the wealthy, and if it can't happen for the poor, if it can't happen for the, the intellect or for those who cannot read or for whatever, then it's not the real thing. The promise of David's got to be for all men or otherwise it's not a real promise from God. So we're going to learn how to lean into God. And, and how we lean into God won't be the same for every one of us. Let me, let me give you an example. So I've kind of told you, told you about me. You know, I'm not the most intellectual individual. Perceptive. Perceptive now. But not intellectual. But so I look for really simple, easy ways to get closer to God. So what we did was we joined with the company. And we had these devotionals made up. You've got them on your, your seat here. If you open it up, there's a nice little letter from, from me and you know, talking about the devotional. Then if you open up to page five, um, you'll see that September 1st starts there. And there's this little bit, little verse. Let's see, September 1st will be, um, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Now, I believe that that little phrase right there has enough to keep you busy all day long. So I don't know, I think you should read five chapters a day and read through the Bible in a year. Well, you go ahead with that, Mr. So-and-so. You know, who's Mr. So-and-so? Uh, but that's not going to do any different. What we're talking about is leaning personally into God. It's making a contact of closeness with God. And so what you'll do is you'll read that little that verse there, and then there's a real creative insights about talking about what that means in our lives and, and how to bring that about and how to partner with God through our lives. Just a little short little piece. Look how, look how short that is. Now, let me just say, if you don't have time for that, you don't have time for fantasy football. If you don't have time for that, you don't have time for Clemson football. If you don't have time for this, you don't have time for fishing. You don't have, there's a lot of things you don't have time for if, if you know, and so this is all dope. And you say, well, yeah, but I'm not a really good reader. No problem. On the front, we partner with them. You can download an app. And that app will go to your phone. And you can be at office in your office during coffee break. And you can open it up on your app. And you say, yeah, but I'm not a really good reader. Well, don't worry. On that app, there's a little button you can push. It will read it for you. And you say, well, that's not good enough. There's another site you can go to, and they'll dramatize the life of Jesus on video for you. Say, so what are you doing? And I said, we can lean into God. All those excuses for not leaning to God, you know, are we going to let them hold us back from God? You can lean into stuff. I, I tell you, you can. You're capable of doing it. 80% of the men in here struggle with leaning into porn. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's the number one file transfer on the internet. So, guys, I know you can get interested in something, even for just 10 minutes. I know you can, I know you can lean into something if, if you're willing to let your heart delight in the things of God. And God has created us to have a, a culture where we have, you know, if, you're, if reading's an issue for you, as it is for me, I don't delight in big books. I don't delight in Greek or Hebrew text. I delight in God. I just want to get to know him and how to be a better husband and how to be a better father or a better friend or a better driver or whatever it may be. I just want to lean into God. It's all available. We just got to decide that that's what we're going to lean into. So we're going to do this together, you know, and, and we're going to blog about it and we're going to 
tweet out and all this. And we just kind of create a culture of going through this together, reading it together, sharing the insights together, and, and growing closer. And here's one thing that's going to happen. We're going to grow in success. We're going to grow in our wins. We're going to grow in prosperity with God. So there's one thing we need to be clear about is, you know, we wrap it up today, but there's one thing that I've learned is that whatever you lean into will determine what comes out of your life. Proverbs 4, Solomon in all of his wisdom is speaking for, speaking for God, and God kind of has him speaking to, to the nation that he's leading. And he says this in Proverbs 4. He says, my children, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who hear them and healing to their whole body, the body of everything that you are, that leaning into God brings healing into your life. And then he says something very important. He said, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Another version says, for out of it flow the issues of your life. People can tell what you're leaning into. Not because they got to read your mind. They just look at your life. Your kids know exactly what you lean into. You can talk church all day long, but they know what you're into. They know what you stand, sit, and walk in. They know what you delight in. And God wants us to get honest about what we delight in. And to guard our hearts and to begin to lean into him immerse ourselves in him, into his word, into the example of Christ, Christ in us, to immerse ourselves into the help of the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. I know you think God's been against you. Some of you are wondering what's going on in your life. And uh, God says he knows the plans that he has for you to give you a hope and a future, not to harm you, but to prosper you. And usually what harms us is what we're leaning into that's not of God. And today he just invites us to just check our lean, check our posture. Father, we enter into this moment with you. And we thank you. And this isn't about how smart we are. This isn't about reading more. This isn't more about just establishing spiritual disciplines. This starts before then starts to do with the, the recline of my heart, the repose of my will, the delights of my soul. So Father God, we invite you to change our hearts. Help us to lean into you. Give us your will. Give us the want to. Enable us through your spirit. Make us new creations. Give us new delights after you. And today you have invited us to taste and see that the Lord is good. We thank you, Father. Regardless of what you've been leaning into, God invites you to lean into him. And one of the ways that you can do that is to lean into the way that he's leaned into you. And that is through the broken body through the poured out blood of Jesus. It's called the communion table. 
because we are communion, communing with God. He's leaning into us and we are leaning into him. Let it start here.